Hey folks, Daryl for School of Thought. It's great to be back on the pod. Today I have a special guest. They go someone I go back with a whole long time. My good friend uh, Dan, say hi to the people. Hello everybody, it's good to be on the podcast again. Yeah, no, you know, uh, back in my old vlogging days, uh, Dan made an appearance and it's great to have him back. Now, uh, my good friend Dan, he's a bit of a wee bit of an athlete, and uh, so what's your uh, sport uh, du jour? My uh, sport of choice is baseball. I'm on the Brock University baseball team. That's been going awesome. I've been playing baseball since I was about five years old. If you want to count t-ball as baseball, but uh, yeah, I've been playing it as long as I can remember, and it's a pretty pretty big part of my life now. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely tell. So. Folks, what we're going to be talking today about is baseball. What the heck is it? How does it work? Because I'm sure I, like a whole lot of you out there, know a whole lot of baseball fanatics, but have no idea what the heck they're talking about. So by the end of this pod, you will be able to sit in a baseball game right in front of the dugout, or wait, no, it's behind the dugout. You sit behind the dugout. Yeah, don't right you? behind the dugout. Yeah, you might be able to sit right behind the dugout and actually know what the flip is going on. Isn't that right, Dan? Yeah, for sure. So, let's start with the most basic question, and I'm sure this is a question that you've gotten a lot. What separates baseball from t-ball from softball? So, uh, T-ball, you know, T-ball, you're probably four or five years old. You're just getting into it. Obviously, there's a little T right on home plate, and you're just going to hit the ball off of that because at that age, no one's really going to pitch, and hitting a ball off of a machine might be a little bit much for the kids at that age. So that's kind of like – that's like your um, intro to baseball. Peewee baseball. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. okay and okay. Uh, softball, well, if we're talking sort of uh, closer to like a beer league softball, that's just kind of like lobbing the ball really high up and that sort of thing. But – and if we're talking more so a bit more competitive softball, like university softball, that tends to be kind of like windmill motion. I can't imagine having to do windmill motion. I think my shoulder would just explode. If I so windmill that. motion, that yeah. means that you're moving yeah. your arm yeah, just like, like a windmill. Yeah, pretty much just like that. You give it a little wind up. You just kind of give it a big circle all the way around and you let go right around your thigh height. And that's how they pitch. They are... They're, they use a, a different size and color of ball. Their softballs are bigger than baseballs, and they're and they tend to be kind of like a neon yet a neon yellow, almost. And uh, yeah, and they pitch from a lot closer. I see. And, yeah, I see. Fields tend to be a little bit smaller as well, and they use more so metal bats. Metal bats. Yes. In comparison to the baseball wooden bats. Yes. Okay, I get that. So with the pitching, you mentioned that softball. You've got the windmill. Yes. So how do you properly pitch a baseball? Because I was playing catch a few days ago with a friend, and I don't know, apparently I was doing it wrong. I was kind of throwing it like a shot putt. Ah, yeah. So baseball, it's more so kind of like just utilizing a bit more of like a whip motion with your elbow. It's not so much pushing the baseball. It's sort of like think of as if you're like pulling something with instead of trying to push forward like a punch it's more so like if you've seen a javelin thrower it's more so similar to javelin than it is kind of pushing a baseball but yeah i would describe it as it's highly described as almost like a whip through motion with your hand it's a lot more kind of like 
using your um, energy throughout your motion instead of uh, just pure like muscle. So it's not muscle. It's almost the dynamics yeah. and how you push it out. Yeah, very much. Uh, although muscle does have to do with it, I would say mu having muscle is a huge part of being a competitive baseball player. Um, yeah, uh, we describe it as the kinetic chain of movement. So it's how you're in. So it's how you're able to generate energy throughout your body, and then eventually just kind of like release it through that baseball. And obviously, you got to have a lot of energy because. Yeah. It's a very explosive movement. Yeah, because you've got some of these sons of guns loving, you know, bowls at, what is it, like 100 miles an hour? Or is yeah, that... yep, 100 miles an hour. That's the equivalent to 160 kilometers an hour for, uh, for I'm sure, our mainly Canadian base out there. Yes, yeah. and that's the yeah. kind of speed that... <laughs> leads to a police car chase on the 401 oh absolutely that's the kind of speed where you're uh, calling someone to come pick you up from the county jail right there exactly but yeah exactly that's, yeah that's uh that's definitely what you're gonna see on the higher end of professionals although of course with uh kids getting better and better every year there's actually some 18 19 year olds out there who've been able to touch high 90s so oh, i mean of there's something of, in the water huh? yeah yeah for sure there's something in the water <laughs> with them but yeah for sure uh i would say 100 miles an hour is definitely like the high end of what you're gonna see i see and you know you know well without like you know because maybe there's some like baseball trade secrets kind of deal but like you know how have you been pitching like you know we had in like the 80s and 90s uh oh no not the 90s i've I've done 90s off of kind of like running throws, but never off of pitching motions. Right now, well, last summer, my velocity, I wasn't considered to be a, a really fast guy. My thing was more so curveballs and junk pitches, but I would sit about 82 to 84 miles an hour in games. Uh, faster through, than I was, though. <laughs> faster. Uh, hopefully this um, summer through through a lot of help with, with – uh, coaches at Brock, especially my uh, pitching coach, Fabio Del Rio, little shout out to him and a little shout out to a guy on our team, Nick Davies. He's a uh, fourth year on the team. He's going to play in a uh, wildly successful and prestigious league in the States this year, hoping for some pro scout attention. Uh, they've both given me a lot of tips and, and they've helped me out a lot in my development. So I'm hoping maybe this summer I can get more so around, you know, sitting with my fastball below closer to 85, 86, hopefully top out at uh, 87, 88 this summer. That would be the dream. That's the goal. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Uh, interestingly enough, Dan talked me into joining a fantasy yeah. baseball league. Oh, I love and, it. You know, I remember the, the first time I did it. And, you know, to some extent, I still have no idea what most of these guys are actually doing so i'm going to pull up my thing and let's look at my team okay so we were just talking about pitching yeah so are you a pitcher or i am a primary i i play uh, it's called a two-way because i hit and pitch at rock but my primary uh kind of like what i'm best at what what my main purpose is is pitching uh, I'm I'm left-handed, and that's uh, much more so a rarity to come by in baseball. So that is definitely helping. Is why pitching is my number one. Also, I love the mound more than anything in the world. Uh, I obviously I love hitting, and I play first base for Brock because when you're left-handed and when you're slow, there's nowhere else you're playing on that field mm -hmm. besides pitching in first base. But, okay, yeah, wait. So just just a quick question. So again, because this is kind of an audio medium, it's kind of hard to envision. But, you know, I think most people can comprehend the fact that the baseball field, people are playing on a, in a diamond formation. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, and if I remember correctly, the pitcher starts in the center of that diamond? Yeah, center of the diamond on something called the pitching mound. So generally, the fields are, you have kind of like a grass infield, and in the center of the grass infield, you've got the circle, which is a raised dirt mound for the pitchers to throw off. Okay, okay, and the pitcher pitches the ball. Exactly. And so they throw the ball, and so, you know what, who is actually supposed to hit the ball uh the batter who's just at the plate they've got the home plate which is how the strike zone is determined strike zone usually i mean once you get to you know more so uh university level maybe because uh yeah so university level college level which is we we essentially use like pretty much almost the same strike zone format as what you know pro players use which is right around from your knees to Maybe just a little bit, uh, a few inches, maybe, let's say, above your belly button. So you're not quite at your uh, chest, but, like, a little bit below your chest to your knees is, like, the height that the ball is generally going to be oh, at. Okay, so you're – okay, okay. And and it has to, like, go over the plate. If you're, like, off to the sides of the plate, that's a ball. Okay, okay. So the pitcher is yeah. throwing to their counterpart the on catcher. the home – the catcher. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so they're throwing it to, to the, the catcher. Yeah, pitcher throws to the catcher. We kept it pretty simple with those two names. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, because you know what? Honestly, for the longest time, I thought the pitcher wanted the batter to, to hit the thing, the, no, the ball. No. So the pitcher and the catcher need to be in cahoots. Yep. Yeah, oh. they got to work in unison. The, the goal is always to get the... Uh, Goal is always to get the batter out. Okay. So yeah, um, yeah. Strikeouts are always nice. So strikeouts, uh, batter either watches or swings and misses at three strikes, and then okay, he's, you know the he's old, done. Uh, he's, the old song, you know, it's one, two, three strikes are out at the old ball game. Yep. He's taking the walk of shame back to the dugout after. Okay. After that. Okay. Okay. So already, what have we learned, folks? We've learned that some of these baseball guys can throw very very fast mm -hmm. we've already learned that the pitcher has got a pretty important job yeah we've learned that the pitcher wants the ball to get to the catcher so yep. how do you, how does one actually get the ball from the pitcher to the catcher without the batter hitting the ball baseball is like i would say it's baseball honestly it's more mental than uh, physical. It's more so a mental game because so batters, they try to time up the pitcher, right? So like you get a feel for how fast he's throwing. You're sitting in there. You've got your timing down for when you want to swing. If you think that ball is going to be a strike, but the idea of pitching is to disrupt the batter's timing and just kind of confuse the batter. So that can be done through maybe just trying to hit a spot on the strike zone with your pitch that you think the batter's not going to be very good at hitting. But there's also things like a changeup, which is it's it's a pitch that's uh, slower than the fastball, so that will disrupt batter's timing. And then also there's curveballs, sliders, which have a lot of movement on them, so they'll like dive down out of the strike zone. They'll move horizontal. They, they have all kinds of movement on them that just makes it a lot harder to track the baseball when you're the batter and, and uh, make some contact with it. Okay, so we got some kind of psychological warfare going yeah. on here. Yeah, it's a hugely mental game. Like for me personally, something that I like to do since I'm a since I'm a lefty, especially on on left-handed batters, let's say so. There's something called crowding the plate in baseball. It's where the batter stands really close to home plate. Pitchers tend not to like it, 
So something that I personally like to do, which is, uh, I mean, it's in the spirit of the game. Uh, I would, I, I never try to hit batters, but if they're going to stand close to the plate, I'll try to, you know, maybe buzz a fastball a few inches from their hands, back them off the plate a little bit, you know, you know, mess with them a little bit. I'll never try and hit a batter, of yeah, course, no, but uh, but just to play the uh, psychological game with them, you know, throw a fastball pretty pretty close to them, make them a little bit scared then. Then you know maybe I throw some curveballs so that way it's gonna look like it might hit them, but then it moves into the strike zone. That was my favorite way to uh, pitch batters throughout okay. my career. Okay, okay. And so just to clarify, so the strike zone, yes, is from the knee to a few inches above the belly button. Yeah, and that's where the ball is supposed to generally be headed yeah. towards. So yes. what happens if the ball almost like you know is like hurling at like a shoulder level or like below the knee then uh then umpire calls it ball umpire uh they're basically the referees of baseball yep and uh there's there's the umpire who stands behind the home plate he's right behind the catcher and he determines whether or not it's a ball or a strike okay so and and yeah if it doesn't pass through the strike zone it's a ball uh if you get four balls and an at bat you automatically get first base uh, three strikes you're out okay three so. strikes you're out Four balls, first base. Yes. Okay. Okay. And, and if you happen to get hit by the pitch, you automatically get first base. Okay. Dang. What a game. So, yeah. already going back to that fantasy baseball lineup. So, when I was composing it, I've got, okay, let's see, that's uh, three, that's six, that's eight. Yeah, I, I've got eight pitchers. Mm -hmm. Why I do I have eight pitchers? Well, I would say you have eight pitchers because the majority of them are starting pitchers. So starting pitchers through – so in baseball, the game's nine innings, and uh, generally you have a few pitchers pitch during those nine innings. Uh, in, in older baseball, it used to be one guy would throw the whole game, but it's, it's, it's not like that anymore. With more uh, data coming out, it shows that, you know, introducing new pitchers throughout the game can mess with batters more. So – and something like that. And I'm going to pull my fantasy roster as well because I'm a very pitcher-oriented uh, fantasy manager. But I would say for the reason you have eight pitchers is because you have starting pitchers and they'll probably get uh, one or maybe two starts in the week. And so if you have eight pitchers, let's say two of them are pitching on a Monday. After they pitch, you're going to put them on your bench and then you're putting uh, whoever's pitching on Tuesday in. And just kind of moving like that. Okay. So you have eight pitchers. That way you have guys that you can rotate through because they're not going to play every day. Okay. Okay. So, so it's, it's kind of just like a continuity yeah. thing. You yeah. don't want to burn yeah. them out. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. It is much less uh, just um, uh, consecutive appearances. Where Whereas position players, like uh, for anyone out there who's a Blue Jays fan, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Oh, he, yes. Uh, Daryl has him, that uh, lucky son of a gun. Yeah, he's, Vladdy he's, is Vladdy's tearing a hole through the league right yeah, now. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's the reason well. why I'm not losing pathetically he right is now. Doing, he is doing quite well. Beautiful, but, man. Uh, so, Vlad, so Vlad plays uh, first base, mm -hmm. and he's a position player, which means he's – and since how good he is, he's going to play essentially every single game. So he's playing almost every day. A, baseball, a major league baseball season is quite long. It's 162 games in a season. That's a lot of games. Yep, 162 games in a fairly short amount of time. It, it could be 162 games in less than 180 days. I could uh, Don't quote me exactly on that, but it's around but that time. But that's approximately a game a day. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it is baseball. There's a lot more games. I know for the football fans out there, they they've got their Friday night football. They've got their Sunday afternoon football. So uh, we're we're gonna yeah. definitely get into the logistics of this thing. So I just have one more question mm-hmm. about uh, a few more questions about pitching. Yeah. Before we turn over to the next phase of our conversation, which is kind of you know what all these other positions and what all yeah. these other dynamics are. So. Is it possible, hypothetically, that if you have, say, eight pitchers on a team mm-hmm. and there's, what, nine innings in a game, yeah. that you basically just have a pitcher and inning? Uh, yeah, well, well, that's very uncommon. It is possible that you could do it. Generally, well, well, it depends on how well a starting pitcher is doing. If they've had a really bad day on the mound, they might only pitch two innings. If they're having a great day on the mound, they might pitch seven or eight innings. Uh, every once in a while, there's um, performances on both ends of the spectrum. Maybe a pitcher does terribly. He won't make it through the first inning in the MLB. Or maybe a pitcher does incredibly well, and they'll pitch the entire game. But generally, you're going to see about maybe six-ish innings from your starter, five, six innings. Okay. Okay, I see. And then, you know what? Let's end off this uh, pitching note with what's one thing, if you have to summarize it. Yes. What does the pitcher do, and why should we care about them? Well, without the pitcher, the game doesn't function. The pitcher initiates every single play. So uh, without the pitcher, there's no baseball to hit, anything like that. So the pitcher, essentially, he's throwing to the catcher, and uh, he's the reason that the ball gets hit. He's the reason that the ball gets put into play. He's the reason that home runs happen. He's the reason that uh, strikeouts happen. They Pitchers essentially control the game. So they're, they're kind of like... You know, without them, things don't move. The gears don't rotate. Okay, I see, I see. And the final question on this pitching segment is, who's your favorite pitcher currently? Ooh, my current favorite pitcher. That is a really good question. Hmm. Uh, my favorite pitcher of all time is Mark Burley. He Mark was Burley. he was a lefty who didn't he used to play for the Blue Jays. He didn't throw anything crazy fast. He was low to mid nineties, which is still obviously very good. But for by by major league standards, it, he wasn't a flamethrower, but he was incredibly good just with uh, pitching knowledge, which was he didn't just throw the ball as hard as he could. He was very good with being able with um, accuracy of his pitches. He had a devastating curveball. It was um, it, it, a fun little tidbit in baseball. If a pitch is disgusting or nasty, that means it's really good. That's a little bit of baseball language. So say, let's say I go, oh, that pitcher has a filthy curveball. It's disgusting. That means that that pitcher has an incredibly good curveball. Yeah, so Mark Grilly, he was a really, really good pitcher who managed his curveball and things like that well. But I'd say current day, I mean, it's kind of hard not to like Shohei Otani because he's the only guy in the league. He was uh, last year's MVP of the American League. He um, he pitches and hits, and he's the only guy in the MLB who does that. No one's been as good at, at pitching and hitting uh, since Babe Ruth, like a, like nearly nearly a hundred years ago. Gee, Wilkers, so, yeah, son of a son. Yeah, Shohei Otani throws hundred miles an hour. He's incredibly good, and he hits and pitches both very well. Okay, okay, okay. And now on to the next phase of this wonderful discussion on baseball. So 
What have we learned so far? What have we learned so far, Dan? I would say pretty much we've learned kind of what a throwing motion looks like, that it's uh, much more kind of like kinetic energy instead of pure muscle. The muscle does help. I could talk about that for a while, but uh, <laughs> but I'm sure we're not on that part uh, right now. But it's more of a kinetic chain. The pitcher is essentially kind of like how how the game carries on. Pitchers can throw pretty quick. There's a lot of different pitches to throw, and pitchers really don't like hitters. They want to get them all out. Okay, beautiful stuff. So now we're going to break down what the rest of the team does. So, the catcher. What does the catcher do? Why do we care about them? So the catcher is a hugely integral part of the uh, whole team. Uh, Oftentimes, the catcher may be even considered the captain of the field. The catcher can tell any other player on the field if they want to move them to a certain position. Uh, if a catcher is going to call out a play, we can get into that a bit. That's a more so a bit um, uh, deeper in the baseball. But uh, say like a play where we're say for some reason, if a runner wants to steal a base, he's going to throw to a certain player on the field. But also the catchers help out pitchers a lot. So how pitchers communicate with catchers for, for what pitch they want to throw is through signs. And signs is the catcher putting down whatever, uh, whatever fingers, however many fingers. It's like the weird like sign, like because like you know yeah. I've noticed that in like the baseball movies where like they'll give like yeah. some sort of like weird symbol, yeah. like you know yeah. like hand gestures. Oh, yeah. so is that yeah. what's going yeah. on? Like, like 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 hands touching the face, swiping across the chest. That's yeah. more so for like throwing out runners or or say maybe a hitter wants to bunt who the catcher is going to be throwing to bunting is just holding the bat out and I've been swinging and just letting it ding off the bat maybe 10 feet into play but um in terms of like what pitch a pitcher wants to throw the catcher is going to communicate with him through putting down uh signs with his fingers often often enough so say like if a very common if a catcher wants a fastball he's going to put down one finger and then the and then the pitcher might shake his head yes, or maybe he'll just come set, and then that's the pitch that's thrown. Or or if you if you ever see a pitcher on the field shaking their head, it might mean that maybe they don't want to throw that pitch. And then the catcher will put down another sign, maybe two fingers for a curveball. So the catchers kind of really uh they they work with the pitchers to know what pitches are coming and they they are a very big part of the game. Overall. Okay, so I've got a question. So we have the pitcher, we have the catcher, but obviously there's a batter on the opposing team. Yep. Is there any way for them to determine, like, you know, what's happening? Because I guess now in hindsight, before I was asking that question, I was thinking, can the batter, you know, see, like, you know, what the catcher's, like, you know, how many fingers they're putting up? But obviously not, since the catcher's behind them. Well, but, well, unless you're the 2017 Houston Astros who were busted for cheating through stealing signs with cameras. No, you're not going to know what pitch is coming. I see. I yeah. see. I see. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've learned learned about the catcher. Mm-hmm. Any good catchers out there currently? Ooh, some good catchers. Uh, the Blue Jays have a catcher. He's currently injured, but he's had a dynamite start to his season, Danny Jansen. He's always been an incredible defender, but it's just his batting that's had to come along a little bit, and he's had an incredible start to the season. He's just on the injured list now, but hopefully he'll be back and uh, hit more home runs and contributing to the team a lot from there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. First base. First base. That is uh... – that is one of my specialty areas. Ah, so first base, first baseman, they're usually one of the taller, maybe bigger guys on the team. 
They're like a bit more, you know, maybe wide set kind of ordeal. They're usually not the fastest guys on the team. First basemen are considered power hitters. They're not going to hit as many, uh, you know, maybe uh, infield hits or um, or hit as many singles. They're going to be a lot more doubles and home runs kind of scenario. And you know what? For those, like, you know, kind of baseball dummies out there, mm-hmm. could you just break down those terms Perfect. a little bit more? Yeah, of course. So uh, first thing I mentioned, infield hit, that's that's when you're able to reach first base uh, on on a hit that, that didn't leave the infield. It did not get to those three guys standing in the outfield. Okay. And uh, a, a single is when you hit the ball and you can only get to first base. Okay. Uh, okay. A double, you maybe you hit it into the outfield. It's past the outfielders and you're able to get to second base. Okay. Triple, is same thing. Third base. Uh, yeah, home run. Um, for for younger kids, a home run because a lot of time they won't play on a field with with the fence. Maybe they were able to run around the bases all the way before. Um, the baseball was thrown back to the catcher who would try to take them out. But once you get to the higher levels, uh, it's when a baseball is hit out of the park, essentially. Oh. So so you have your outfield wall. The corners are generally around 330 feet, which is about 100 meters. And uh, center field is usually around 400 feet. I'm not quite sure how many meters that would be, but I would assume maybe about 130 ish if i had to guess i'm not sure so 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 it's a pretty good ways out there for anyone who's run a hundred meter dash that's a pretty long ways Mm -hmm. and and that's when the ball is hit past that outfield wall that's out there and then they just get to jog all the way around the bases okay and then that's when they that's when they get the points but yeah generally the uh the first baseman gets more home runs and they're like since they're usually uh bigger guys they've got a bit more power that they can put into a baseball okay so Again, kind of clarifying, Mm -hmm. because when I think of the term, like, you know, a first baseman, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of someone who's exclusively standing at first base. So, like, are they standing there at the first base, or are they, like, you know, like, how how does that work? That can actually vary, because usually a first baseman will stand not on the base, but they'll stand generally in, like, proximity, maybe within 15 feet of the base. But... If a runner is on first base, a pitcher can do something that's called picking off, which means that they can try because runners will take a lead off. They'll stand, they'll stand maybe 10 feet off of the base and in hopes that they can get a jump start to run to second base. But as soon as so the bases are safe zones for runners, you cannot be tagged out if you're standing on the base. Mm-hmm. And um, but as soon as you're off, it's free game. And so a pitcher may try to throw the ball to the first baseman and hopes to tag the runner before they can get back to the base. Okay, so basically, let's break this down and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So the pitcher attempts to throw the ball to the catcher. The batter on the opposing team hits it. Yes. Now the first baseman wants to catch that ball and tag out the batter who's approaching first base before they get to first base? Uh... They don't have to tag the batter be, because since the batter has to go to first base, if the first baseman has the ball and touches the base before the batter does, the batter is out. The the bat, uh, the batter, which is now the runner, does not have to be tagged. Okay. They, they would only have to be tagged if um, if if there's it's called a force play. So say if there is because if there is a runner on the base behind you, you have to run to the next base if the ball is put in play and if it's not caught. In the air. So um, let's say if there was a runner on second base and I were, excuse me, if I were to hit a ground ball to that side of the field, let's say I hit a ground ball to, to the third baseman. 
since there's no runner on first base, the, the person standing on second does not have to run to third. But if they want to run to third in that scenario, uh, the third baseman cannot just touch third base and they're out because there's no force play. There's no there's no runner being forced to run to third. They would have to tag the runner in, the, in that scenario. But just to keep it simple, if there's nobody on the base pass, and let's say maybe a ground ball is hit to one of the infielders, the first baseman will stand on first, and whoever receives that ball will, will throw it to the first baseman. And as long as it gets there before the runner, the runner's out. Okay. And so is that basically the same deal with the second and third baseman? Uh, yes. Yeah, so second and third baseman, if there's a force play to their bag, so so if a runner has to be going to their base, they can touch the base. Okay. Generally, second and third baseman will be throwing because when a ball's hit on the ground, it's called a ground ball or grounder. And so if a grounder goes to the third baseman or second baseman, they're most times going to be throwing it to first base to get the runner out. Okay, okay I get that. What does a shortstop do? So a shortstop. So on the on the diamond, it's the bases are in a square shape. Mm -hmm. So the shortstop will stand in between second and third base. Okay, why second and third? Um, that's just kind of where the position was put. Uh, so the second baseman will stand to the right of second base. The shortstop stands to the left of second base. Okay. And uh, because if there was just one fielder standing at second base, there would be massive gaps between the first and third baseman on the field. So the shortstop is there. The shortstop gets a lot of ground balls to throw to first base. The shortstops often have to cover the most area. Shortstops are usually, they're not the smallest guys on the team, but, they're, but they are usually um, a little bit faster and because they have to cover so much space on the field for ground balls. And usually they run pretty quick. And yeah, shortstops are generally very quick, agile players. Okay, so basically, ground balls that kind of land between that second and third base. Yeah. The shortstop's yep. job is to get the baseball yep. to the first baseman, yep. so that they can kind of present yep. prevent any jacks from happening from the opposing team. Exactly. And for for anyone out there again who's a Blue Jays fan, Bo Bichette, he's the shortstop for the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Off fielders. What's that all about? Uh, the outfielders, yeah. So the outfielders, it's um, just three people who will stand in the outfield. There's a center fielder who will stand um, directly behind second base, not 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 within like you know ten feet of second base, but they stand in the outfield, uh, kind of in in line with second base. And then there are the right fielder and left fielder who will kind of stand in between. For so right fielder will stand in between. Uh, first base and second base again not not directly in between the two bases but they'll line themselves up with that middle point and the left fielder will line uh, himself up yes between second and third and those guys those are for a lot of pop flies will go to the outfield which means the pop fly uh, yeah the batter will hit the ball and it just goes straight up it doesn't make contact with the ground uh, he hits the ball, and they'll just go straight up. And a lot of the time, the outfielders are getting those baseballs. Okay, okay, I see. Mm -hmm. And another question. So there's someone between first and second. Mm -hmm. There's someone between second and third. Mm -hmm. But is there anyone between third and home? No. No? No, there is not. Technically, that is considered the pitcher's area because they are on the mound. But if a baseball goes around there, it's up to the pitcher, catcher, and third baseman to kind of communicate and, and then decide who's going to throw that ball in the first base. Okay. Okay, I see. Mm -hmm. And then 
designated hitters. What's what's that all about? In um, once you get to like older age levels, higher levels, like at um, most of the time uh, at the university level, the the pitchers will not hit in a game because there's nine batters in a lineup and there's nine players on the field, pitcher included. But oftentimes the pitcher will not want to hit. Shohei Otani, as I talked about before, he's kind of like the um, special exception, but pitchers will not hit. And so the designated hitter hits where the pitcher would in the lineup. Okay. And just kind of, you know, to rejog everyone's memory, mm-hmm. what is hitting again? Hitting, you're that person that is standing in the batter's box attempting to hit the ball that the pitcher's throwing. Okay. Okay. Lovely, lovely stuff. So, once again, what have we learned? I'm going to summarize, and once again, Dennis can either tell me, Daryl, you got it, or Daryl, you have not been paying attention. So we got the second baseman, and the first baseman, yeah. and the third baseman, mm-hmm. who are generally standing around their respective bases. Yeah, they'll stand like in proximity, usually. Yeah, in proximity to those bases. And you know, when a ball's coming out, it's generally their job to prevent a player from the opposing team making it to that base. It gets a little finicky once you're dealing with things like a forced play, which is when there is a player on your team on the base behind you, which means you have no other choice but to move to the next base. Yes. Correct? Okay, we have the shortstop, who is traditionally uh, sandwiched in between second and third. Yep. And they are, you know, making sure that those balls in between there get to the first baseman. Yes. Okay. Now we have the off-fielders who are in the off-field. And if something like a, what's it called, a pop ball? Uh, uh, A pop fly. A pop fly. A pop fly, which is when the batter basically shoots the baseball straight up into the air. Mm -hmm. They're catching it and making sure it gets to the first baseman? Uh, No. If you catch the ball before it hits the ground, you don't have to throw it anywhere. That's automatically in out. Okay. Okay. See? We learned something new. Okay. Yeah, and we have our designated hitters who are hitting because the pitcher traditionally does not hit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And now we are moving on to the next phase of this wonderful discussion on the ins and outs of baseball. We're back, folks. We're back so far. What have we learned today, Dan? I'd say we've learned a pretty good deal of information. I'd say we've learned just about, well, yeah, everyone who's on the field, where they are, uh, where they stand, what they do what their general purpose is. We've learned that pitching is a pretty explosive movement and they can throw those balls pretty darn fast. Uh, and the hitter, um, it's their job to just, you know, hit the baseball uh, so it's not caught, doesn't go straight to a fielder, get on base, try and make it all the way around the base paths, touch home plate, get some runs for their team. Okay, okay, let's see. So let's kind of break it down in a lot of ways. We like to organize our sports into leagues. And right now, within North America, the big league is Major League Baseball, MLB. So kind of break down, what the heck is MLB? So MLB, like you said, stands for Major League Baseball. It's uh, 
it's kind of, you know, kind of like just the, the organization that organizes everything. It's like the NFL for football, essentially. Um, how baseball is broken up is there is an American League and there's a National League for baseball. Within those leagues, so there's, I believe, four, yeah, it's four divisions in the American League and four divisions in the National League. And uh, I believe it's 30 teams total. I don't think it's 32. It's Yeah, it's 30 teams total, I believe. And maybe it's 32. Sorry, I'm not 100% sure. I would have to name all of them off, and that would take a while. That would have to take a while. But it's either 30 or 32 teams in the in the leagues. And uh, each team that's at the top of their league by the end of the season plays for their – well, they have playoff spots, and then they start playing each other. Okay, so how did they get the titles, the American League and the National League? I honestly could not tell you. Major League Baseball has been around for over 100 years, well over 100 years. So I am really not sure how those two came to be. It could have been maybe at first, it could, it could have been geographical location of teams. I'm not 100% oh, just kind sure. kind of like an east-west yeah, kind of thing. east-west kind so of like thing. So like there's America and then like the east and national and the west. Or like. so, um, so the Jays are in the American League East. Okay. And that's pretty organized based on geography. You know, it that one's... The that one's Toronto, New York Yankees, Tampa Bay Rays, Boston Red Sox, and Baltimore Orioles. So, so besides the Tampa Bay Rays, though, they are on the on the eastern. Uh, okay, because I was just about to say, doesn't like you know Washington hmm. D.C. also have their own team? Yeah, yeah, Washington. Or I, like Miami, don't they also have it? Yeah, yeah, Miami Marlins has their own team. Okay, so. so let me get this straight. So the American League East. Yes. The Jays, yes. The Yankees, yeah. The Red Sox, yeah. Okay, those are all generally in the same yeah. area, but then you, okay, and then the Baltimore Orioles, okay, yeah. yeah I get that, percent. you know, northeastern yeah. USA, but then and you then, throw in yeah, the Tampa. Tampa. Why are I, they? I couldn't tell you, honestly. Um, I'm not sure if I mean I, I mean this is just speculation what I'm about to say, but. Tampa Bay Rays, or wait, no, that's not even true. Sorry, no. The Tampa Bay Rays came around, and I think they were an expansion team in the 80s, 90s. So maybe there was just that was just the best league to put them in. Maybe there was like an opening of some sort. But no, um, I, uh, I, that, that always baffled me because everything else is, you know, obviously Southern Ontario and then uh, Northeastern state. So, so they're all within a general vicinity, but then all of a sudden you're down in Florida for them. It doesn't really make a huge difference because they take planes everywhere. The teams, they have their own private jets, but um, well, actually they don't take like a bus or something. No, no, no. It used to be bus, you know, decades on decades ago, but now with the, with the amount of money owners have with the amount of revenue, a lot of teams can generate. Yeah. They, they, mostly take private jets okay so you know what let's let's break this down kind of these ownership structures Mm -hmm. so what does the owner of a team do well essentially they a lot of the time they handle marketing of the team they uh they work together with their uh general managers and their coaches just to try and put together the best team they can Sometimes, uh, however much money a team will decide to spend on their players, you know, salary-wise, it'll be heavily dependent on how much money the team generates. So say, like, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates do not generate much money each year. Their payroll, I believe, is below $40 million a a year. There are players on the L.A. Dodgers who are making almost $40 million a year for one person. I believe the 
the Pirates payroll of 2022 is around $36 million, where the LA Dodgers, which is, I believe, it, it is either the first or their second most valuable franchise. The New York Yankees might be first, just because they've been around for the longest. Um, the LA Dodgers, their payroll is near $300 million this year. My so there's a goodness. massive difference. And and for, for people who know about salary caps in sports, like um, the NHL will have a salary cap as like your team cannot spend more than this much money because it's like they don't want super teams, I guess. Or like, but, you know, it's basically just a compilation of yeah. like all the best yes, players yeah. thrashing yeah. all the other Yeah, like teams. it's basically an all-star team in, in the league. Uh, but MLB doesn't do that they have what's called a threshold which you pay luxury tax so say it's i'm not sure what the number is and maybe if you spend above around 230 million dollars a year on your payroll anything more than that you have to pay a form of tax on so it's kind of like a disincentive to spend more than like the it's a very soft cap because it's not really a cap okay i see so you don't have salary caps no, 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 no salary, salary caps. So it's kind of you do have the potential to create an all-star team, but it's also going to be very pricey, extremely to do that. expensive, and um, and yeah, there's a lot of competition between teams. There were a lot of free agent signings this year, like uh, Corey Seager. He was a player for the LA Dodgers. He's uh, in- incredibly good. He he signed a contract with the Texas Rangers this offseason, which is 10 years for $300 million. So that's $30 million a yep. year. He's getting paid the big bucks. And Marcus Semyon, he was incredibly good for the Blue Jays last year. He signed some probably around, you know, high teens uh, or 20, just over $20 million a year for a few years with the Texas Rangers. Gee Willigris, yeah. my next question is, where does all this money come from? Well, a lot of it comes from, you know, however much the teams are making, you know, revenue-based, or uh, it's however much the owner is willing to spend. Okay, so but, the yeah. owners of the team are also having to put their own money into the thing. Well, generally they put their own – well, their their money is not what's going into the, to the players' pockets. A lot of the time, if the owners want to spend more money to advertise the team more, things like that, that's how they generate bigger followings, better revenues – and that's how they're able to shell out more money, essentially, for these uh, uh, big name players. They're the big ticket players. But uh, yeah, usually there's actually a really big divide. And maybe let's say the top five or six players on a team, what their salaries are compared to the other people. Um, like, uh, let me try and think of an example. I mean, Corey Seager is a great uh, example. He's making $30 million this year. Meanwhile, there's guys on the Texas Rangers that are probably, I believe league minimum for the MLB now is around $650,000 a year. So there's a lot of guys who might be making a million dollars a year. Meanwhile, you know, Corey Seager is making $30 million a year. Yeah, but that's honestly more than some of us will ever make. Yeah. So and more than a lot of people make in their lifetimes. Okay. So in that one year, kind of just breaking it down. So a lot of the money that these teams get is from like ticket sales or how, uh, they, how do they make the money? Ticket sales, sponsorships, merchandise. I mean, like, I mean, like if you've ever been to a Blue Jays game at the Rogers Center, I was there recently with my uh, girlfriend Peyton. I I had um, a vodka soda and a hot and and nachos, which totaled out to about twenty five dollars for Jesus. that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yep. It was a it was a tall boy uh, vodka soda can and just a little thing of nachos came out to the the vodka soda alone was fifteen dollars. So like the markups on these oh things. they are they are insane. Okay. They are absolutely ridiculous. So things like that, concessions is how they make a lot of money. Merchandise sales, things like that. Yeah, because like you know, obviously if you're taking little Timmy out to the ball game, you yep. gotta get him a keepsake. Exactly, gotta gotta get him a hat, give him some popcorn, buy a hot dog, and then the hat, popcorn, hot dog. There you go. That's like probably uh, just over a hundred bucks later. That's oh what you got. Goodness. And then what about like the actual ticket prices? Cause I know it varies like, you know, where you're sitting, but yeah, let's I just can... say you're sitting not in like, you know, near the dugout mm-hmm. and like, you know, not in the, what's it called? In the, the nose, nosebleeds. In the nosebleed section, just somewhere in that nice mushy middle. I couldn't actually tell you. It has been a while because the, uh, the Blue Jays game that I was at with, uh, Peyton, those were birthday presents from your parents for me, actually. Oh, that's for, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would have to look it up. If you want, I can look it up yeah, probably no, right about now. Yeah, let's, no. uh, what let's, was uh, life like yeah. before Google? I know, right? I can't even imagine. I would think maybe, I don't know, if I had to, had to ballpark it, maybe like $50 for a ticket like that. I could be wrong. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, so I'm looking it up Very right interesting now. Interesting stuff, I see. So basically there are ways of making money in these yeah. enterprises oh yeah there's they're hugely profitable uh, and how would one go about buying a team well for starters usually usually most of these owners they've got i mean uh, some of them are billionaires um Really just, uh, they are filthy rich. They were, a lot of the time... Old money folk. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's old money, but usually team ownerships are not passed down through generations. Um, it's like, you know, someone who's had... Take Mark Cuban, for, for example. He's a billionaire. He owns the Dallas Mavericks, an mm-hmm. NBA team. Uh, he, you know, he has his billions of dollars. He thought that Mavericks would be a good investment essentially because they wouldn't really buy it if they thought they weren't going to make any kind of return off of it. So um, I know that Rogers, like, like the cable company, they own the Rogers center, which is where the Jays play. I don't know who is the owner of the blue Jays. It, I don't believe it's Rogers. No. Cause I know that it's uh I know there's uh what, what's it called? Maple Leafs uh, sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure who the owner of the Blue Jays is actually, but mm-hmm. but essentially how you go about buying a team is is you just approach whoever the current owner is and you say, hey there, I'll give you however million or or if it's a big franchise, maybe like the Yankees, uh, you you'd say, listen, I'll pay you like a billion dollars for your franchise and for your team. And then if that deal goes well, you're now the owner of the New York Yankees. Okay, so basically you give the old owner of the New York Yankees, like a billion dollars. Yep. What happens next? You're now, you now take ownership of that team. You essentially get to say who your general manager is, okay, who so, your head coach is. Okay. Like so what does the general manager do? So the general manager is, uh, they, they do a lot of like, uh, they work out the trades a lot of the time. So like, uh, so trading players between teams, they'll go, they'll be the ones who work that out. They can help. It's not their expertise, but they oversee a lot of departments. So 
department of like uh maybe personal trainers for players department of coaches hitting coaches pitching coaches department of scouting you know who do you want to draft who do you want to sign to to your um minor league teams things like that and um they kind of decide where where certain spending might go uh what players are going to trade for a lot of the time that's really what they do okay and then obviously you know the coach is kind of the chief strategist for the team right yeah Okay. Okay. Yeah, may see. Yeah, the coach will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The coach will often make a lot of the. They will make a lot of the big decisions for the team. Mm-hmm. And then, I'd also ask, like the actual recruitment process. Like, is what is it? How does that work? Well, uh, there there is the draft, like any other large sport. But then you can also do what's called a free agent signing, which means you don't have to be drafted. They, um, a scout will approach you and say, "Hey, we want to sign you to our team." Uh, sign this contract and you will go to whatever minor league team they want to send you to because there's levels of minor leagues in uh, in MLB. There's there's A, AA, AAA, and then the big leagues. And then there's many like denominations of like A ball. There's like uh, rookie pro. And then there's like low A, high A. There's a plethora of minor league baseball teams out there. But uh, a lot of the time, unless you are a person who was given a big signing bonus because essentially minor league players, a lot they will only get paid for the months they play and they minor league players are paid very, very little. Um, Say a minor league player may only make from their baseball career, $12,000. Like a season. Yes. That minor league players have, have off season jobs. It's, um, it's, it's a very big uh, debate and, and uh, a big public, uh, kind of like topic of discussion on how minor league players should be paid. It's a, it's a very big uh, discussion on how some people want payers to be played uh, if they it, if they want them to be paid more, how they think payment should work. But essentially, minor league players, unless you're given a big signing bonus, or or if you're a major league player who's not doing so well and you get sent down to the minors to play, they essentially do not make very much money. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. And so, you know, let's also kind of talk about your whole university experience. Like, you know, how did that work? Like, you know, getting recruited to Brock and all that stuff. mm -hmm. So um, around, I guess this time last year, I was just looking at options for post-secondary baseball, where I wanted to be. And uh, I want to be a teacher here in Ontario. I want to teach high school French. And um, I figure... Brock is very reputable for their teachers programs and Brock, I would say has, has the best baseball program in, in Ontario. I would say that I think Brock has the best baseball program. Brock didn't win um, the Ontario university baseball championship. Oh, who won? Uh, university of Toronto. Oh, I see. But um, I would say that in terms of our development, in terms of our resources, in terms of our coaching, I would say Brock is, is the best. In Ontario for that and something Brock also does is since we are so close to the border uh, we will go and play schools in the US we'll go play division one schools we'll go play junior colleges we'll go play division two threes and uh, NAIAs of, of schools in the US and so it also gives you a yeah. chance to also develop your skills yeah. again. oh yes absolutely and um, so I figured you know Brock is very reputable for that they have uh, I was speaking with their coaches a lot Throughout the summer, I had phone calls with them. 
and things like that. But uh, yeah, for sure, uh, I was just speaking to them and um, I really liked what they were telling me. I liked what I was seeing. And so I, in, in later August, I committed to Brock University and I was very, very happy with that. And I still am quite happy with my decision. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it, it wasn't <laughs> great about, about a week after I dislocated my knee in a game. Oh, dear. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, I've, I've, I've so had common are like baseball injuries. Very common. And like, you know, like what kind of injuries are they usually? So, uh, baseball injuries, um, they're not very, they're not like hockey injuries. They're not like football and football injuries, hockey injuries, more so concussions and broken bones. Baseball injuries, because because it's less like muscle, more so kinetic movements. It's things like tendons snapping. Uh, yeah, 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 strained ligaments, strained tendons. Tendons can snap. Uh, a common thing in pitchers is the rotator cuff, which is which is like a body part that is in your shoulder will tear if it's not you know taken care of because pitching is a very big kind of load for your body to bear. And uh, so yeah, it's more so on. Um, ligaments it's not broken bones for me my knee dislocation happened i was swinging at the plate in a game and my back foot did not rotate with the rest of my body so essentially as i turned my back foot didn't and uh, my whole body turned which means my knee dislocated out to the side of my leg Ooh. it was yeah uh yeah like i've i've actually dislocated ribs playing baseball and things like that. I have completely um, just uh, really trashed my arm uh, years ago when, and it hurt a lot. And uh, this is definitely the knee dislocation was definitely the most pain I ever felt in my life. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a great time. Ambulance rides, things like that. But, so then, uh, what's the recovery process like? Well, um, it was honestly with the uh, with the wait times and things like that in Canada for MRIs and things like that, especially because of COVID pushing them back i was fortunate enough to uh i went to new york for for one day with my dad and i got an mri there because i was worried that i had tearing and ligaments in my knee but it turned out that it was just um my my patella which is my kneecap is just uh it was just um well it well it had dislocated it became a little bit loose after and it just became a little bit tight so it was causing me pain for a while uh, I stopped feeling knee pain just not too long ago, about maybe six or seven months after I stopped feeling knee pain. So yeah, but um, otherwise, than that besides injuries, because injuries happen with injuries happen with essentially any, any sport. But my personal baseball experience, it's been incredible. Uh, last summer, I played on the Ontario Nationals. Uh, that's a team in the. It's a team in the CPBL. It's um. I'm trying to remember what the CPBL stands for. Which Canadian is, Baseball uh, Public League? No, it's CPBL. <laughs> it is the, uh, it, it's considered to be the best high school league in Canada for, for non-college players. I was playing in that league. I was I was fortunate enough before the uh, before my injury, I was fortunate enough to be doing pretty well. I was, uh, I was leading the league in strikeouts for pitchers. And, um, yeah, things were just going really well for me that year. And uh, I'm really hoping to continue that this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just with my baseball experience, it's been inc- – I I can't tell you the amount of people that I've met through baseball. met so many people. I've been a lot of really cool places. I've been places in the States. I've been on trips. It's been 
a lot of good memories made through baseball. And I think baseball is also good for um, just overall like learning life skills, which is a lot of the time since baseball is a mental game. Uh, you know, uh, baseball is one of the only sports where, where you can succeed uh, three times out of 10 as a hitter and still be considered very good at what you do. Okay. So it's uh, quite tough, but no baseball, it just, it, 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 it teaches you to uh, learn from your failures instead of dwell on them. And uh, I just think it's, it's a great sport for anyone to play. That's great. And let's get ready for our final discussion here on an intimate discussion on baseball fairs with my great friend, Dan. We're back again. Final round. Dan, what have we learned so far? Oh, wow. The uh, summaries keep on getting bigger and bigger every time. I would say, to do it in chronological order, we learned that pitching is, uh, is, is quite the movement to do. They can throw pretty darn fast. Uh, we learned the geography of the field. Who plays where? Uh, what the title of their position is. What do they do in their, in their respective positions? Um, a hitter, uh, what is their purpose? Um, what essentially do they do? Uh, some, some good current players in the league. We talked about Shohei Otani, people like that. Um, otherwise than that, I'd say that it's mainly how does MLB work? Uh, how does one purchase a team? How are teams managed? What are the, what are the office jobs essentially? Mm -hmm. And I'd say that's pretty much led us up to this point right here. Uh -huh. We also learned about injuries, yeah. well, you know, all in the sport, but now we've come to the place where we talk about something that has eluded me. For a while, because at least in in the town that we live in, there there's a, a lot of baseball people, a lot of baseball, a lot, lot of baseball of, going on, a lot of baseball and a lot of hockey. Mm -hmm. But you know, we're here to talk about baseball, so a lot of baseball going on. And so my question is, why is baseball like so complicated, and what can it be done? for people to understand it better in its intricacies? Well, I'd say baseball, uh, it's a pretty complicated game. You're right. There's a lot of, like, ins and outs of the game, what goes on. I just think that that's how it's been designed. Uh, it's just how it was formulated, I guess. Uh, you know, lots of sports have their own little rules, sets of things like that. I'd say baseball is pretty common with other sports like that. But I'd say something that could be done to maybe – market it to masses that aren't as familiar with it um even just simple outreach to maybe like ads things like that maybe let's say if you've tuned into a baseball game and you're not 100 percent sure what's happening i would think that it would be great when maybe uh when they cut to commercial let's say for 15 seconds 10 seconds they they air a little kind of like explanation of of maybe a play or something that goes on uh, during during the game. And I think that just a little tidbit like that would really help people uh, want to understand it more because if you're approaching baseball without any prior knowledge, it can be a pretty hard game to understand. And yeah, even another idea that kind of just popped on the dome is what the networks can do. You know, the people like yeah. TSN and ESPN, yeah. like they should honestly just like get like this show that's like, you know, sports for dummies. And like, you mm -hmm. know, you have the game on live and then you're mm -hmm. kind of, you know, just breaking down what happens. Because that would be perfect. I think there's a lot of people who want to kind of get involved in these things. Especially like, you know, there's a lot of like communities mm -hmm. where like, you know, sports is a big thing. 
But there's sure. also a lot of people who don't understand. Yeah. They want to understand, but like they just don't. Mm-hmm. And so like I think that, you know, a lot of networks, I mean, it's something they could look into. I mean, for sure. I know that during my, my time at the University of Ottawa, uh, often with my work colleagues, we'd do this thing called I May Not Know Much, where I made observations and a lot of my coworkers they either played hockey, knew people, or just were deeply involved in hockey, and they'd just be telling me, yeah, that observation, not too bad. Or, you know, Daryl, come on, use your head a little, kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, no. And then I think the final question worth asking is, you've been in baseball for a lack of better wording, basically your entire life. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's just starting out? If you're like maybe around seven or eight years old and you're just starting out, I would say uh, definitely use that first little bit to uh, have fun. You know, really just learn to uh, like develop your pure enjoyment of the game. Because when you're, you know, eight, nine, you don't have to focus immediately on like on like the super technical parts. I would say that something that can kill kids' interest in sports is if they start to get a little bit of an interest in it and then people try to force all of the all of the deep uh, information onto them right away. I would say um, you know let your love develop for a little bit because as you get older it's much more so research and almost like job like things that you have to do. So it really find your love. science. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Absolutely. The amount of baseball science out there now is just incredible. But yeah, I would say make sure that you really just develop that spark for the game and, and that you have it because as you get older, it, it turns more and more into sort of like a job. I see. I see it, especially if you're making $30 million a Absolutely. year. You better work for it. Yeah. Anyway, I'd like to thank Dan for coming on to the podcast. It was great having you on. I I know I certainly learned a, a lot about baseball and heck, I think maybe even before I decide to watch another Jays game, I might just listen to this podcast again, to say the very least. <laughs> but any any further comments you want to make, Dan? Uh, no, I would say if you're someone who's trying to get into baseball, maybe you want to start watching it. Don't don't worry too much if you're not getting it all at the first try. It's a complicated game, but you know, just uh, take a little bit of interest in it. Maybe search up a thing or two every once in a while, and it'll be a lot more easy to understand once you start to know what's going on a bit more. I know baseball, I know people can say baseball is kind of a slow game because it's not like hockey with constant action. But I think once you uh, learn a little bit about the game, you really appreciate all of the effort and the strategy, excuse me, and the talent that has to go into um, being quite good and being one of those people out on the field that you're watching. So yeah, just um, uh, don't be shy to, to give it a few searches, watch a few games before you, um, decide maybe it's not for you yeah awesome stuff well folks that's all we got for today so stay spicy folks and we'll see you soon